So last Sunday, we started a new sermon series on the gospel of Mark, and this is going to go all the way through Lent. And I asked you a question last Sunday that I wanted you to think about. And the question is, why do we follow Jesus? Why do we follow Jesus? And I gave you four of, of my answers, which included this. We, we follow Jesus because he is our Lord and Savior. And, and remember, he can't just be one or the other. He can't just be your Savior. He also has to be our Lord, where we listen to what he has to say. The second reason is we follow Jesus because he is full of grace and truth. Again, both, not just one or the other. Third, we follow Jesus because he provides solutions and answers to our world's deepest problems. Many of the things that we face in our world, Jesus has a solution and we have to make that connection. And the final answer that I gave you was we follow Jesus because he teaches us, and this is really important, he teaches us that peace is found through forgiveness. It's going to be hard to find peace in life until you learn how to forgive. And forgiveness is, is very, very important, and he teaches about that. Now, I'm also recommending a great book written by a friend of mine named Will Willeman that's called Why Jesus? And at the very beginning of the book, we have them in our bookstore. If you want to study them or just want to study Mark, that's fine. But this is what he says. He says, do you want to see Jesus? Do you want to see the one who came from dry, dusty Galilee, moved under the cold gaze of peasants, a man destitute, without a job, a house, or a welcoming family? Do you want to see the one who, though he had nothing, refused to act like a submissive, cringing simpleton, but stood up to the presumed powers and dared to speak directly for God, tackling sickness and death and taxes head on, facing down the demons and swaggering, sword-wielding bullies? Do you want to see this one who, though he appeared so ordinary, made such wild, reckless claims for himself, reaching out to the dead, the dying, and the demented? Do you want to see this one who we dare to believe is God with us? If so, then come and see. And that's the invitation as we study Mark's gospel. Come and see. Come and meet Jesus. Come and get to know him better in your life. So today we move ahead to Mark chapter 4. Jesus and his disciples are on a boat on the Sea of Galilee. And all of a sudden, a huge windstorm arises and the boat is being swamped by the wave and the rain and the winds. But, but Jesus is asleep on a cushion, Mark says. He didn't seem to be worried about it. But the disciples woke him up and said, Lord, save us, we are perishing. And he said to them, why are you afraid? You of little faith. And Jesus got up and he rebuked the winds and the sea and he said, peace be still, peace be still. And there was a dead calm. Have there been times in your life when you needed to hear those words, peace be still? Has there been a time this week when you needed to hear the words, peace be still? You know, there are times for me in my life on a regular basis when I need to hear these words from Jesus. Somebody once shared an interesting quote with me. They, they said, Jesus will calm the storm, but our job is to stay in the boat. <laughs> Jesus will calm the storm, but our job is to stay in the boat. You know, I, I've never met anybody who hasn't been through storms in life. It's a, not a matter of if they come, but when they come. And, and we have to find the faith and the courage to handle them, but, but we have to stay in the boat. Here's another quote. 
peace is not the absence of a storm, but God's presence in the midst of a storm. Peace is not the absence of a storm, but God's presence in the midst of a storm. You know, there's all kinds of storms in our lives, and we know this, right? We have, we have school shootings, and we have cancer, and we have pandemics, and we have suicides, and divorces, and infidelity, betrayal, loneliness, people battle depression. And some people, for whatever reason, go through way more storms than others. And it doesn't seem fair. Part of what uh, we do as ministers is we walk through storms with people. And I can tell you that there's some pretty heavy stuff out there. Some people are better at weathering the storms of life. Some people get really, really anxious and some people are able to stay calm. But if you are human, you'll go through storms. I promise you that. And so how do we let Jesus bring us peace in the face of a storm, in the midst of a storm? How do we let Jesus calm us down so that we can find peace in our own lives? You know, peace is not the absence of storms, but it's God's presence in the midst of the storm. A couple small groups this week, one was a couple's group, the other was a men's group. I asked them, I said, can you share with me one or two of your basic fears in life? Fears that manifest themselves in different ways. And so here are some of what people said. They said, I have a fear of not parenting right, that I won't do my kids well and, and that I'm missing something. I have a fear of not succeeding and being able to provide for my family. I have a fear of disappointing others or letting them down. I have a fear of being discovered to be a fraud, a fear of failure, a fear of losing a child, which is maybe the worst thing you can go through in life, fear of not reaching my potential, a fear that I'll live my life and I'll look back and I'll have regrets, a fear of not enjoying every stage of life as it comes. A fear of looking back and, 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 and realizing, wow, I wasn't present for my family. A fear of being spread too thin. A fear of death and, and, and leaving loved ones behind. What I think is we all have fears. Some of them are reasonable. Some of them are unreasonable. I like to differentiate between healthy fear and unhealthy fear. Healthy fear is the way God's designed us. Healthy fear might keep us from getting too close to the cliff so we don't fall off. Or healthy fear might help us to eat healthy and exercise so we don't get heart disease. Healthy fear might cause us to move out of the way if a car is coming so we don't get hit. Healthy fear might lead us to not spend time around people who don't care about us or want what's best for us. Healthy fear might cause us to save and invest money for retirement so we don't have to work forever. That's healthy fear. Then there's unhealthy fear. Unhealthy fear is different. Unhealthy fear is when we take our fears to the extreme and we allow them to become all-consuming, even paralyzing. Unhealthy fear happens when worry takes over and paralyzes us and we can't think about anything else. Unhealthy fear is not a good thing, but unfortunately, it has become pretty widespread in this culture. And so it's all up to every single one of us to differentiate between what is healthy fear and what is unhealthy fear? Paul Tillich, existential theologian, taught at Harvard Divinity School and Union Seminary. He said, if you think of all the fears that you have in your life, you can put them into three buckets. And try this. He said, the first bucket is the fear of death, or he calls it non-being. 
a fear that we'll die. A second is a fear of emptiness or meaninglessness, that your life won't matter, that what you're doing won't, account, won't matter or count for anything. The third fear, he says, is a fear of guilt or shame, where you look back and you regret something that you've done in your past and you feel judged for it or you're disappointed in yourself. But he said all of our fears in life can be put into one of those three categories. And, and, and I think in my own life, I found that to be pretty true. Years ago, a bunch of therapists had a conference. They came together, and you gotta be careful when a bunch of therapists have a conference, right? But they came together and they had one goal, and their goal was to determine the factors that contribute to peace of mind, emotional and mental stability. And they came up with eight things, and I'm gonna share these with you briefly because I find them to be very interesting. The first one they said was the absence of suspicion and resentment, that when you nurse a grudge, that leads you to unhappiness. You know, resentment in life is never healthy if you don't deal with it, it only grows over time. The second factor was not living in the past that people that kept going back to the past and being preoccupied with the past were never able to move forward and live their life. The third thing was not wasting time and energy fighting conditions that you simply cannot change. And all of us try to do that. We try to control things that are out of our control and it drives us absolutely crazy. But there are some things in life that are in our control and many things in life that are out of our control. We have to differentiate. The, the fourth factor was force yourself to stay involved with the present world. In other words, don't withdraw when you go through hard times, hang in there, work it out, talk it out. Fifth, refuse to indulge in self-pity when life gives you a raw deal. Don't always play the victim card. Accept the fact that not anybody gets through life without some kind of hurt, scars, and, and misfortune. And, and so when you start playing the victim, the woe is me card, uh, that can be hard to pull out of. Sixth, cultivate these virtues. Love, humor, compassion, and loyalty. Those are the virtues that matter in life, and so work to cultivate those. Seventh, don't expect too much of yourself. When there's too big of a gap between the self-expectation that you have and where you can actually deliver, that usually leads you to feel like you're inadequate or you're falling short. And then the last thing is find something that's bigger than yourself to believe in because self-centered, egotistical people score lowest on any test for measuring happiness and fulfillment. And so many of the problems that we now face in our world are the direct result of people being selfish and completely self-absorbed. But you remember when Rick Warren wrote that uh, famous book, The Purpose Driven Life, do you remember what he started out by saying in the first paragraph? It's not about you. It's not about you. I think sitting down and, and reading scripture is a great discipline, especially during the Lenten season. And there's lots of passages of scripture that we can turn to that will bring us peace. I read one to the, to the kids this morning. You know, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, 
but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. As I was rereading that this week, there's a couple of words that jumped out at me. What are the words? Gentleness. I'm an Enneagram 8. I have an intense personality. Didn't pick it, that's just what God gave me, okay? Or I guess my parents gave me. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, Megan has to remind me, dial it back just a little bit. It's okay, dial it back. You know, be gentle with other people. You don't know what other people are going through. You don't know what hurt they face or what fear they have or what's happened to them this week. You know, we live in a world where people tend to take out their anger and frustration on other people, oftentimes their loved ones, and that's really not fair. And so we have to be gentle and we have to be kind. The second word that really jumped out at me is something that I think all of us can neglect if we're not careful, and that is prayer. Do you have a prayer life? With prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. You know, once we've done everything that we can, we have to turn it over to God and let it go. And prayer is a powerful way to find peace. But if you never pray, then you're not going to experience peace. Talk to God. Listen to God. Tell God your struggles and then let it go. And the last word that I was thinking about this week is attitude or mindset. You know, Paul continues in that passage, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence and if there's anything worthy of praise, then think about these things. You see, two people can be in the exact same situation in life and they can approach it completely differently. They can see it completely differently. We don't always choose our circumstances, but we always get to choose our reaction and our attitude. And so the things that we choose to focus on in life will determine our quality of life. Megan and I were at dinner with some friends last night and we were talking about raising children. And you know how you get in the car with your kids and you say, how was your day? Fine, you know, what'd you learn? Nothing. Um, What'd you do? Nothing. Um, Anything happened today? No. And so maybe a different question that we can ask our children is who did you help today? Who did you help today? Who did you serve today? Who did you go out of your way to listen to today? Even in the midst of stress and storms, we can help each other, we can support each other, and we can find inner peace. Amen.